I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. Happy Monday, fun day. Happy fun day, Monday. Turns out (laughs) for some people, this is actually a holiday, but. (laughs) I think my job was like, are you the president? If you ain't the president, then you need to be in. Because I was very much in the clinic at Grady Memorial Hospital Mm. serving um, our amazing patients. And yeah, not one time did anybody ask me, I'm surprised you're here today. Nope. (laughs) It was like, look at this rash. (laughs) And what you think about this? Well, we we appreciate your service to the community. <laughs> I I at least get to work from home on Mondays. So oh, okay. I still gotta put in the time, but I'm always grateful to be at home, especially when, you know, the few days out the year when the weather in California isn't perfect. Um, so <laughs> I love how you be trying to make it sound like Northern California got perfect weather. It does not, y'all. <laughs> Don't let her guess like you. <laughs> oh man. Ah, so what's new? You know, I actually just got back from Houston yesterday. I was celebrating my mother's birthday. Let's go. Yeah. What did y'all do? Took her to dinner with the family. I spent, you know, a good portion of the day with my six-year-old nephew and we made a handwritten card for her, completely with his own spelling and penmanship. So that was- Killing the auntie game? Mm -hmm. I really was. You know what's really cool? Guess what I did this weekend? What's that? Went out to dinner to celebrate my mother's birthday. I'm not joking. <laughs> Except I didn't leave town. I was here in Atlanta because uh-huh. my mom was here. But yeah, yeah that's what we did. We had, what, um, what day is your mother's birthday? My mother's birthday is the 16th. Oh. What about your mama? <laughs> On the 17th. Uh-huh. You know what? That's why we're so awesome and we're so bonded. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. We have really like awesome moms. I was telling my mom... I was telling her that I was trying to think about any point where it was difficult to be her daughter. Ooh. And I cannot think of one time where it was difficult to be my mother's daughter. You know, it's funny because I'm a daddy's girl and my father, you know, had very, very high expectations of us. He was the disciplinarian. It was not always easy to be my father's child. You know, we have Mm -hmm. a lot. um, We butt heads on things. My father had strong opinions about things. We would argue about things. And I was, I would, I would always tell him I'm the monster you created. You know, you created me to think for myself. I don't agree with you, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother is, um, and, and she's not a pushover. She's just this really kind, um, fun, easygoing, creative soul mm-hmm. that um, it's like everybody can agree upon loving her. Like Mm. everybody can agree upon that. There's no like sort of, oh, I don't know about her. She, all the grandkids love her. The kids all love her. And I think I really underestimated how dope my mom was until later. Like everything creative in me is out of, it's from my mother. 
Mm-hmm. Everything assertive in me probably is is from my father, but my mother is a creative, a wow. real creative spirit. Mm-hmm. So shout out to my mama. Yeah, shout out to your mom. Shout out to my mom. Mm-hmm. I feel very similarly. Like I always felt like my mom and I were very different. You know, I, I always felt like I should <laughs> I should be more like my mom because everybody mm-hmm. loves my mom. She's so mm-hmm. kind you know, she's beautiful. Like, you know, everybody is like obsessed with her. And I'm just like, wow, I should be kinder. (laughs) I should should try to look more like my mom. But as I've gotten older, you know, I I find that we, we are more alike than I even had imagined, you know, this, this deep well of, of empathy and, and compassion Mm. and just this kind of, I won't say I'm quite as selfless as my mom. I don't know about all that, but (laughs) Um, so, um, you know, people were joking me about the fact that I have never been to Boston. You know, I brought that up yep. uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Seeing as we get ready to go to the Society of General Internal Medicine National Meeting, mm-hmm. where we going to be presenting. Yep. And we going to be recording. Yep. And you know what? We just might have subject verb disagreement, just like I just had, because guess what? <laughs> we can. It's our podcast. And yes. we can subject verb disagree if we want to. And shall, mm-hmm. what should I do in Boston? You've been there before. You know, like I said, y'all might've missed this last week, but I said that some people had such good medical school performances that they were being recruited by the Harvard programs. Okay. You don't edit this out. <laughs> I was not being recruited by the Harvard residency programs. Ashley was, so she has been to Boston. Me, I had no reason to go to Boston. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad that you took two episodes to flesh that <laughs> Because I felt like it wasn't made clear last week. I was like, do you think I just threw shade at her? No, 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 no. I threw shade at me. <laughs> I cannot wait to unpack that with you in a future episode. But, you know, I was lucky and privileged to have the experience where I felt like I was able to have a say in which residency program I wanted to go to. And that was a journey, but I made it. I made that shit. So okay, I know. And you know what? You worked for it. Mm-hmm. You sure did. You did. <laughs> now, I worked for it, but I, I kind of I peaked a little late. <laughs> so by the time I had peaked, it was like, oh, honey, but wait a minute. <laughs> you should have been doing a little bit more in that first year of medical school, you know, when you, yeah. you know, fell in love with that boy and you weren't going to class. <laughs> but I made a comeback. So y'all look, look at me now. I'm a whole professor. Y'all, this is really the point of this is that we're going to be at the SGIM meeting. We are nerdy, enthusiastic general internists. And we just hope any aspiring general internist, internist adjacent folk, um, come, at, come. you should register for that meeting. That meeting is about to be lit. Mm-hmm. It really is. So we hope to see you. And um, for those who are registering, please come check out your girls. Okay. Kings, queens, and non-binary royalty. Y'all, today is your lucky day. Here in Atlanta, it is now dark outside because I had to work today on President's Day. But Ashley accommodated me and will accommodate you shortly with what you have really all been waiting for. You had a bye week last week with me, and now it is here what you want. And that is Ashley McMullen telling you a story from the archives. My sis, what is the what today? 
I'm going to be completely honest with you. Like I've got the story in mind, but I completely forgot about the what. Oh, you forgot about the what? I forgot about the what, but I think what? something can work. The what is birth. Birth? Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. Okay. You didn't see that coming, did you? I did not even see that coming. Neither like, did I, because I just came up with it. <laughs> you was right now years old when you heard of it. Yeah, right? I know. I like, uh, <laughs> okay. And, yeah. Talk to me. I'm listening. I'm, I'm, I'm cozy and ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm glad that we got to share a little bit about our mothers because, you know, this is a story that really is my mom's, but also mine. So I will be taking you back to 1987. Perhaps. Please tell me that's not when you were born. <laughs> okay. I won't, Please. I won't is that you. when you were born? Yes. Oh I'm so old. <laughs> okay. No, no, but this is not my story. <laughs> back to you. Yes. 87. 1987. Yes. Fall of 1987. Okay. Um, so my mom is a couple years into her career as a nurse. You know, she's in her, her late 20s. And at that time, you know, my mom had taken a job in a hospital and in the Houston Medical Center. So kind of a well-staffed, busy hospital there. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was working as a floor nurse at the time. So Mm -hmm. nurses on the floors are assigned, you know, several patients each shift. And that can range from manageable to barely manageable. Sure. And so, you know, she was doing these types of shifts most days along with caring for my older brother at that time, who was probably about three, I think. My dad was not able to be a reliable partner in this situation. And so my mom was largely doing all this work on her own. My mom was born to be a nurse. Like she is an incredible nurse. She is great at her job. She loves children. You know, she was meant to be a pediatric nurse and she's excellent at that. But in the course of her pregnancy, after having, you know, not missed a day, not really called in sick, always showed up to do the job, she was having some difficulties, you know, and many of which stem from just the the environment that she was in. Mm. So she was usually working a shift from like 7 to 3, 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. You know, she's on her feet the entire time. And I think that's something, you know, I will say as a physician, that's not well appreciated because we spend a lot of our time sitting down. Exactly. You know, and everybody kind of works around our time. You know, we go in and see the patient when we want to, um, and then we leave and we sit down and we'll respond to messages when we want to. (laughs) (laughs) So, but as a nurse, you know, you're constantly, you know, on the move, getting medications, like responding to, to call buttons, doing your own rounds. And so at that time in the eighties, you know, she was also, um, having to do a lot of kind of like labor intensive work as well. So she had one experience probably around her second trimester where she was having to lift a patient and ended up getting injured. So she had to be out for some time after that injury. And then there was another time subsequently. So, you know, another responsibility for her at that time was to manage like the food trays. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when the carts would come, you'd have to like get the trays off of it and bring them to the room and so, you know, there's trays like at the very bottom that, you know, she had to kind of bend over bend and all the way over, bend all the way over and and get the trays. And, you know, she, she said as she was coming up, she felt another like excruciating pain, like in her side and in her back. Mm. And at that point, you know, she was a little later in the pregnancy and she had to do about a week or so of bed rest. Mm. And as a result of that, her 
supervisor, the managing nurse actually wrote her up for having to miss work. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. So in this environment, not feeling particularly empowered to ask for what you need, now she's entering her third trimester. Mm -hmm. And towards the end of the pregnancy, there's, you know, this expectation that you you come in to see your OB every week. Mm -hmm. But the OB appointments only run until 3 p.m. Of course. And she gets off at 3 p.m. And she does not have much power in that situation to ask for, you know, time off every week to go see Mm. her OB. And so she ended up having to miss a lot of those appointments Mm. at the same time, you know, she's also kind of dealt with chronic hypertension, you know, for a lot of her life. And of course, now we're kind of in a stressful environment, not only from work, but also having to manage things at home and not having a lot of help. And a three-year-old Lord. (laughs) Exactly but that's not really being checked on on a regular basis. And so one day she's, you know, working another shift and she's got this really intense feeling of just being unwell, like this extreme nausea, headache. And so she goes to her supervisor, the supervisor, well, let me, let me check your blood pressure real quick. Let's just see what it looks like. Blood pressure was sky high. And the supervisor suggested that she go in the break room and just rest her head for a moment and then come back to work. That is crazy. Yeah, go sleep off that preeclampsia. <laughs> exactly. Go sleep it off. <laughs> now we're, you know, back at work again. And she has another episode. And this time, you know, she's having excruciating pain. Mm. And so at this point, she calls her OB. And the OB was just like, you need to come to the hospital right now. You know, it wasn't a far distance to get to the hospital where she was supposed to deliver. Mm. But my mom made a choice to go home first. You know, she couldn't rely on my dad to like bring her clothes. She wanted to grab her clothes. She'd also been on her feet for eight hours. And so she wanted to kind of clean up a little bit before going to the hospital. Evangelist Shelley was on her way at that point from... Mm -hmm. Chicago, but wasn't going to be able to get there. So my mom had to go by herself. Mm. She gets to the hospital and the OB is furious at her, like Mm. expressing anger and coldness because she didn't come straight to the hospital. Mm. So they get her set up, put the ultrasound probe on and the baby, me, is not moving. Oh my God. We don't know if this baby's going to make it. We need to start inducing labor now. You know, my mom is at some point in the room by herself. She's laying there and she can hear the nurses. And I don't know if the OB was involved in this conversation too, but definitely the nurses right outside her room and they're disparaging her. Oh my God. Yes. Like what was she doing? What was she thinking? Exactly. And not only did she, you know, commenting on the fact that she didn't come to the hospital, but that she had missed a lot of her prenatal appointments, you know, Mm. over the last month. You know, it's just fascinating. Here you have another nurse in a dire situation, like potentially about to lose her child. Mm. And basically the the inclination is that this is her fault. Mm. And that is the energy that the medical staff is bringing into this space. Mm. 
you know, this is, again, it's, it's the eighties, you know, you're not getting on Facebook live to document the thing. Like, right, oh, right. Black lives matter. It's like, yeah, it's like you're, 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 you're swimming in the water of this type yeah. of um, bias, lack yeah. of humanism, but there was no language for any of that. And so you don't even quite realize, you know, it, you know, I'm watching her tell me this story and it's almost like she's just now realizing how messed up this was. Yep. Yep. But at the time, you know, there's no power there. And she told me she, you know, she didn't cry. She didn't get upset. She just kind of, kind of felt resigned, you know, in her mind, she was just like, man, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can. Mm. So, you know, whatever happens, happens, mm. you know, she gets the the epidural and proceeds to go into labor and, you know, spoiler alert, I live and mm-hmm. I have fine. But my mom had to go straight to the ICU afterwards Wow, um, to be treated for um, preeclampsia. Um, eclampsia. Uh, eclampsia. <laughs> eclampsia. eclampsia. No. It ain't pre no more. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And so she's in the ICU. They're treating her with, with magnesium IV. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like many IV electrolytes, you know, it is a very painful infusion. Mm-hmm. When my mom was telling this story. She's like, I can feel it. Like it was yesterday. Mm. Um, you know, the, the burning and the, the, the pain in her arm. And it seemed like the IV had like infiltrated. She could actually see the, her, her skin changing color. Mm. And so she asked, please come take this IV out. And nobody came. Oh my God. You know, she's on bed rest. She can't move. They're like, that's what you get. Yeah. And that's, that's what it was. Mm. So she managed to get her OB on the phone and told her OB, who was not even in the hospital, what she's like, I have this IV in my arm and it's burning. Like I need someone to take it out or I'm going to have to take it out. Mm. So the OB called the hospital. And then once the OB called, then someone came. My mom told me it actually wasn't until that evening. There was a night nurse who she also didn't have racial concordance with, but that was the first person who actually talked to her like a human being. Mm who actually was was comforting and really supportive until my grandmother could get there. Mm. So there's a couple ironies about this story as well. The first I'll share is that that same supervisor who told her to go lay down in the call room when she was having preeclampsia, you know, when my mom later recovered and went back to work, the same supervisor had subsequently gotten pregnant. Mm. Um, and that supervisor at some point was at work and not feeling well mm. and had actually asked my mom to check her blood pressure. Mm. So my mom did and her blood pressure was high, but it wasn't nearly as high as my mm. mom's was. And you can imagine what that supervisor did afterward. Oh yeah. Oh, clearly. Went home. Oh yeah. Went mm-hmm. home. Because mm-hmm. Abby, did hey, she now. write herself up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh-huh. you know, that's, that's the first irony. The second irony is that this same hospital where my mom had this kind of harrowing experience birthing me was the same hospital I would later train in as a medical student. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece, which is less of an irony because, you know, this perfectly makes sense for who my mom is. My mom now is in like a supervising role. Mm-hmm. And you now she has sensitivity to when the nurses that she supervises are pregnant. Mm. And there's one in particular who usually would take the bus or something to work. And my mom would go pick her up every day of her last trimester and bring her to work. Mm. 
I mean, you know what? I'm sitting here trying to think about what to even say back to this, mm -hmm. but it almost feels like the story, you know, the thing speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. There's there's a, a part of me that says, well, I'm glad that there's some places where we know not to behave in that way, right? To tell some lady with sky high blood pressure to go lay down, mm -hmm. you know? Um, you know, I think about experiences that I'm sure we've had when we were in training and stuff where like, oh yeah, I probably should have gone home. <laughs> but <laughs> but that's a lot different than when you are actually carrying a, you know, just an innocent life inside of you. Um that that is that's horrifying. Mm -hmm. Um I also think I think we've mentioned this before, but I can't remember if it was we were recording when I, we mentioned it. But um I also think that the more than just the um the system buys into this idea of you know who we are as black women we buy into it mm -hmm. right because your mother was in a life-threatening situation it was a medical emergency what she was dealing with but your mother decided that like okay but you know i'm gonna go see about these kids and i'm gonna go ahead and rinse off real quick and mm -hmm. put on some clean underwear and some clean socks and get my stuff together and i'll be okay much like when I told you about the time when I had my baby and right after I had a baby, I didn't like what they brought me on a tray and I put my pants on and went outside to the elevator and told the nurse to her face, you know, my people used to squat out in the fields, have a baby and go back to picking cotton. You think I can't go down to the cafeteria? Come mm. on, man. <laughs> but that was because I bought into this whole idea about us as like superhuman and able yeah. to kind of shake it off. And and that is not actually to to blame your mother. It's more to blame a system that made this a mechanism of survival for us. Absolutely. Um, right. So like as much as I love the thought of me being a fist in the air, strong black woman, I'm also OK with being a vulnerable black woman and somebody who, yeah, you know what? You can let me lay down and you can rub my feet with, you know, essential oils. Mm -hmm. And you know what? You can give me some days off. Mm hmm. And you know what? I probably should not be in clinic if I have a temperature of 103. I probably shouldn't. And you know what? I won't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I won't. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a it's a lot in that time in particular, and still now that lends those things lends toward those things happening to us. And I think one piece of it is we have to realize that it's okay for us to be vulnerable. It's okay for us to like need some help. And it's okay for us to lean into advocating for ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. But if you got small kids at home and you have a partner who isn't equipped to, to, to help you out, a three-year-old, like, look, man, if you got a three-year-old, you're going to see about your three-year-old. <laughs> I would have done the exact same thing. I, I would have. I mean, you know what I mean? I would have yeah. done that too. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It, you're right. There, there's so many layers to that. Mm -hmm. And um, particularly like, you know, what my mom was expressing to me was just like this sense of powerlessness, mm. um, you know, and it, and it started from before the, you know, the emergency, it started from being in an environment where you don't feel empowered, <laughs> yep. where you, you cannot, you can't, you can't see about yourself. Exactly. Like, you know, people are already looking at you 
with a target on your back that, you know, you asking for what you need is a sign of you being, you know, defiant or, or angry or unprofessional. Yeah. And you're not asking to go get a manicure. <laughs> you're actually asking to see about your body, which um, is, is doing something that everybody knows can be life-threatening, which is have a human life in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's very different than you just asking, you know, for a minute. Um, and I'm not saying people shouldn't get a minute, but I'm just saying that, you know, again, this idea of us being superhuman, um, it is, it is, it is so pervasive. It is like, they think it, but we think it. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes it's cool for us to think it cause it like works out, right? Like, mm -hmm. Hey, yeah, that's right. That's what we did. And we made that happen. And I can't believe that she was able to do that. Of course she could, because mm -hmm. that's what sisters do, mm -hmm. you know, until you just realize how crazy that is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting because, you know, it, it covers so many classes and, and, and professions. I mean, obviously, like, you know, for many Black women, particularly those who work in kind of service related jobs, who work in like mm -hmm. hours based jobs, where it's just like, you're not in a place of power to do anything that would risk, you know, getting your hours cut or, you know, losing your insurance. And for folks who work in these kind of professional sectors, you know, I'm thinking about female physicians who work in kind of smaller like practices, yep. you know, particularly in a, maybe a surgical specialty where you're like one of few or maybe the only woman there Yeah. and like what it would mean to ask for, you know, a day off a week. Because when, when somebody's off, somebody's on, mm -hmm. you know? But your mother was making a very, very unselfish choice. Mm -hmm. Her choice was to protect her family and to keep the lights on and to make sure that she had benefits and that, you know, she could see about these children with resources. And if you got to choose between going to a doctor's visit or, or doing whatever you got to do to feed your family, people will do what they have to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Man, I'm sorry your mom went through that. That must have been a hard story to tell you. It was hard and hard to hear because, you know, it's it's one thing when you hear all the statistics and horror stories, you know, it's another when it's your, like it's your mom, you know, yeah. suffering to bring you into the world. But I'm grateful that she told me and then she was, you know, happy for me to to share it because, you know, this stuff is still happening. Well, let me tell you something. If I was your mama... I would have gotten your graduation picture put on a giant medallion and put it around my neck and walked up on that ward. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> my daughter, a doctor. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did look up the doctor on my birth certificate. <laughs> I know that's right, girl. Yeah. Well, listen, shout out to your brave, uh, selfless mother. Um, for all the children that she was taking care of um, and for the children at home that she made those hard decisions for. I know that was not easy. And shout out to, you know, every Black woman and every Black birthing person out there um, mm -hmm. who, you know, has the opportunity to bring a life into the world and who may feel a little bit nervous or vulnerable, you know, lean into what you deserve, who you are. Shout out to the people who are allies um, and who do care and pay attention. Shout out to that nurse that humanized your mom mm -hmm. um, because the people that, you know, treat you well, they don't have to look like you. Mm -hmm. They don't. Um, they just need to meet you on a human level and um, 
but realize some of the forces at play that can impact um, the kind of care that people get and the kind of care people are willing to ask for. Mm-hmm. So, you Amen. know what? We got to do better. Yes, we can. And we will. Yes. I'm hopeful. Well, little baby Ashley, born <laughs> in 1987, the year that I was visiting Tuskegee University to go to college. Um, I'm really glad that, you know, you live to tell. Yes, me too. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I love you, sis. Love you too. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.